Hey, it's Alana. And Jacqueline. And you're back for another episode of Black and Yellow. Hi, guys. Welcome back. Welcome back. How are you, Jack? I'm well. It's uh, it's getting warm. It is. Understatement. <laughs> it's LA. It's already freaking hot. <laughs> Always. Yep, totally. <laughs> Oh, goodness. <sighs> I was talking to uh, a couple at the restaurant the other night. Oh, okay. And they were telling me how they were they're from New York. Mm. And they're much older, and they were saying how they, they just can't stand the winter anymore. Mm-hmm. It is pretty brutal. And though. I went, well, you'll be spoiled here because it's nothing like that over there, but it's kind of one of the lesser evil or well, I was just like you pick your choice like yeah. you want extreme cold poison. or do you want extreme heat but yeah. if you're if you're older and you don't want to slip and fall and have to wear I understand like probably better to be in the heat I'm sure but she cracked up she was like how how are the summers here and I went um I said yeah they're they're um what did I say those she like cracked up she Brutal? said I said no I said they're pretty unbearable <laughs> Like, that's a nice way of putting right? it. Yeah. Totally. Um, so I don't know. Maybe they'll be back. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Who knows? I just want to, before launching into today's topic, I just want to uh, share something that happened to me and a friend of mine last night at dinner. I feel like because we host a podcast, we are both women. We are both women of color. I think that we owe it to our audience to be honest Absolutely. with our dealings with race relations in America. Mm-hmm. And uh, when racially charged events happen to us, I feel like it is our duty to share it with our listeners to prevent uh, these occurrences from happening again. Or if something does happen along the lines of something similar to what happened to you, they can maybe know what to do or maybe, you know. Yeah, like raising awareness or raising consciousness yeah. because... Because uh, yours kind of was just like snuck up on you, right? Go ahead. Yeah. What, so what well, happened? it's 2018 and like, you know, modern racism is a bitch. So I was dining out last night with a friend of mine, Karina. Uh, we went to... Hey, Karina. Hey, Karina. Uh, full disclosure, she is Hispanic. As we know, I am black. So we do have a, we're, we're an ethnic table. Uh, we went to a restaurant in Pasadena that I had been to about five or six times before. It was her first time. And Jay, I have not felt like a second class citizen in a very long time. Wow. So we had a reservation. The clientele is largely older well-to-do predominantly white and generally when i go there i have had really amazing service the food is great but the service is even better so this particular time we went uh the server was an older white woman i would say about 45 to 50 and i was just gonna say before are there other have you noticed other servers there that aren't white i've noticed bussers of course. That aren't white. So bussers, are Hispanic. food runners are Hispanic. But no servers are, there's no non-white servers? There's no non-white servers. What? All the servers are white, but all of the, I guess, server assistants. Sure. Or is what someone would but call even a busboy. But pla- even in a place like Pasadena. Yeah. It's very It's Pasadena white. is so eclectic. Like, You know what? After I thought the same thing, and then I had an experience like this, and I was like, okay, well, maybe... Interesting. Maybe it's not as eclectic as I thought. thought. Yeah. Or maybe specifically that restaurant for whatever reason. Whoever's running it. Whatever the case may be. Wow. Okay. Go on. We uh, had a reservation. We were sat in an area surrounded by predominantly white people. There were maybe a handful of non-white people. And to be clear, the handful of of non-white people were Asians. So we sat. Our server was not welcoming. 
was, you know, didn't do the normal, hey guys, welcome, how yeah. are you? Have you ever been here before? Let me walk you through the menu here, our specials, like the normal. Any questions. Right, yeah. the normal thing that servers do yeah. at any restaurant any of restaurant. any caliber. It's a given. Um, we placed a food order and... She left. She never came back. We, though, saw her giving really amazing, stellar, over-the-top good service to all of the other tables around us. Hmm. And at first, we were like, okay, maybe it's an age thing because we were, at the time, surrounded by people who were older than us. Sure. And as service drug on, we needed refills for water. Uh, Karina wanted a straw, nowhere to be found. I think the hostess at a certain point came over a couple times to check on us, but our server never did. Our server essentially just took the order, dropped the food, cleared the plates, and that was pretty much it. Mm. And I call it, I say modern racism is a hard thing to put your finger on because unless you know what you're looking for, you won't you won't have noticed that it was racism. Yeah, it, it almost may be something like, just rude or not respectful or, right but when you start to really feel like yours was really interesting because everyone around you was getting stellar service mm-hmm. and you noticed that everyone around you were white besides maybe a couple asians yeah and that you were maybe the most ethnic table there right so you start to connect the dots. Yeah. And yeah. like her body language with the other tables. Her energy. Was everything. very open, friendly. And you work in the service. We've all worked right. in the service industry. So we know what it's like to exactly. be. Exactly. And we've all been there too when we, we've, we all know what it's like to be on, on the receiving and on the giving. Mm-hmm. So you're more open to just understanding the situation. Totally. At, at the level of like a gut level. Right. Right. All that being said, we saw like the amazing service she was giving to other people, not giving to us. When it was time to get the check, we needed a box and a check. Again, we got her attention, said, hey, can we get the check? She said, "Okay, yeah, sure. Ran off. Karina turned around and said, excuse me, twice within earshot. Very hearable. She just kept doing her thing. My friend had to get up, go over to a server station, ask the server for a box And a straw because she had wanted one all throughout our meal. And she finally had to get up and go get it herself. Um, Sat back down, paid the check. And here's the real double-edged sword of being minorities in a situation where you know you're being treated poorly because you're a minority. Mm -hmm. Everything in us did not want to tip her well. I'm sure. Service was subpar at best, even though we see that she's capable of giving good service. Right, clearly. Clearly capable of it. Um, But if we don't tip her well as women and as minorities, we play into a stereotype. Yeah. And we don't want to play into that stereotype. Sure, sure. I totally understand. We tip her 20%. Our normal is an easy 25, 30%. We're yeah. over tippers because we're aware of those yeah, stereotypes. And, and you're also, you're in the industry. So I feel like totally. if you're in the industry, you're always going to take care of your fellow. Totally. Whatever you want to call it, brothers and sisters. Pretty much paid and left. And we were talking in the parking lot about whether or not we should call and say something just to alert the service staff that... You know, this is happening, these these microaggressions, because it was a microaggression. It wasn't a clear, flat out Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. verbal microaggression. It was a more nuanced uh, nonverbal microaggression. But in the nonverbal, that's an active choice. Yeah. The active choice to be nonverbal. Totally. Um, 
so we were talking about whether or not we should call and complain. I woke up this morning and said, I think that the manager needs to know about this. So I called. And as I was trying to explain why I thought it was low-key racism, Mm -hmm. I found myself getting really frustrated because it's hard to uh, verbalize what nuanced modern-day racism feels like. Sure. Because nowadays, racism isn't fuck you, nigger. Right. Because that sort of racism is almost easier to take. Sure. The person who's saying that, I know that they're my enemy. Yeah, clearly. But modern-day racism is harder to grasp it's much less tangible and it's it's much more nuanced and if mm-hmm. you don't know what you're looking for you could easily miss it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. nonetheless i called and let the restaurant know this is what happened i think we were discriminated against because we were young women of color we didn't see anyone else receiving that service that server is definitely capable of giving great stellar. above and beyond stellar service right. and we just didn't get it to which they were super apologetic. We hope you come back. To which I was pretty frank about saying, "No, thank Sir, you. when you have lived through an experience like that, yeah. you do not want to go back to that establishment. Yeah, why would you? Right. One right. one bad apple spoils the bunch, so to speak. Right. Um, I wanted to share that Damn. on the show. I just wanted to let people know that modern racism is... Not always clear cut. It's not always in your face. Sometimes it's much more subtle. Um, It is. Again, like I said before, if you don't know what you're looking for, you're probably going to miss it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But all that said, racism is not just in the the head of a person of color. It's very real and it still exists in 2018. And I think really at the end of this entire uh, ordeal, I just walked away thinking, "Ugh, I'm such a fool. I thought 2018 racism like that in Southern California really can't exist because it's right in my own backyard. But it just goes to show you being a minority in the United States, there will always be some sort of event somewhere, somehow where you you know where president is. That's true. You know, like I I think more than ever, it's just a little it's going to be in our face and exposed more than ever I think as far as just because of our horrible leadership Mm -hmm. and I think I think as minorities it's something that we should watch out for and be aware of just in the day-to-day and I think it is tough because like we we're natives here you know Mm -hmm. and LA is is so it's a melting pot of so right. many cultures. I mean, you talk about the food and everything, and and food with food comes culture. And so I feel like there's just so many different kinds of ethnicities and cultures, and that's kind of the last thing, and right, kind of in your own backyard, you know, mm-hmm. in Pasadena where we go all the time. Yeah, so I'm sure that must have been very uh, unnerving for you. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well. Anywho, luckily we're talking about a topic that. <laughs> Is the opposite. The opposite. <laughs> uh, I have to go on record and say this is a topic that is very near and dear to Jackie's heart. Uh, I did not suggest this topic. I, I feel like I it. just have to say that. <laughs> but Jay, why don't you talk about the the inspiration for this this episode? Because I think it's brilliant. All right. So I I'm a huge fan of stand up comedy. And I'm quite a goofball myself, in case you guys didn't know. I will attest to that. Um so I was on Netflix. You know Netflix House, they have their like specials and mm-hmm. everything. So I was watching I've watched a bunch, but um 
one that caught my eye, I think my mom had mentioned to me, was uh, Trevor Noah. Yeah. Who the is show. the host of The Daily Show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even just his whole... I could get more into it. How he became the host of The Daily Show made me even respect him even more. Because wow. I was listening to Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul Sunday podcast. And ah. he was a guest on there. Cool. Uh, anyways, his stand-up was so refreshing, mm-hmm. so enlightening. I was so educated. Usually, I feel like some stand-up, majority of stand-ups are... There's a lot of dark moments, and um, it's it's funny, but there's just a lot of darkness to it, which I, I that's what drew me to it. Mm-hmm. But his was almost more, like I said, very enlightening, super educational. He's he's not from here, so giving getting a foreigner's perspective and of how America works, yeah, completely kind of like three sixty. You know, totally. he talked about politics, talked about sports, talked about race, was hilarious because yeah. I there were so many things that I've never thought about just being American yeah. that he thinks about all the time Yeah, he's not from here. Totally. So if you guys don't know, Trevor Noah is, he's half black and half white and uh, just growing up in the apartheid, during the apartheid in South Africa already says a lot about, he was pretty much legal. Like mm-hmm. he should have, he couldn't have been born and he was, right. you know? So he talks about his mother a lot and it's it's an amazing story. But he has this his one bit in his in his stand up where he talks about how cool black people are. <laughs> let me say that again. How cool black people are because let me tell you guys, they are very cool. We are. You guys are so fucking cool. We're the most copied people in America. You guys are. And that kind of after we, after he has his bit, I tur- I think I turned to my brother and I think what I, I looked at him and I said, dude, he's right. And this is something I've known, of course, but I looked at my brother and I said, dude, he's so right. Black people are so fucking cool. We are. And, you know, he comments on the way you guys speak and how cool it is, how you guys dress and how cool it is just being, being born with even even if you're half black, a quarter black, whatever it is, you're you're born you're like born with a swag mm-hmm. that some people uh, want to achieve their whole lives and will never able to, or continuously continue to emanate that way because they think it's cool. And I just it, it's true. He when he said that you guys are just born with swag, I I was like it's absolutely true. You guys don't even have to. You guys are just cool. You don't even have to try. So that's what we're talking about today. We are answering the question of, are black people naturally cool? Right. Were we just born cool? Does swag just exude out of our pores? Do we shit cool? (laughs) Do we piss cool? Do we eat cool things, go to cool places? Yeah, I wanted to dive in and really figure out where that comes from and what it's all about. Because there's so much. Yeah. Well, I might be biased, but if we're answering the question of are black people cool? (laughs) Tell me what you think. Unequivocally, (laughs) without question, undoubtedly, (laughs) enthusiastically, wholly, fully, and completely, yes, 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 the answer is yes. I'm not biased, but I'm just saying Uh we're fucking cool. You guys are. And that's not me with a chip on my black shoulder (laughs) being a black woman. Thinking so highly of my race that we're cool. But our American culture, who emulates us all the time, they would agree even if they don't want to. Yes. Oh, absolutely. But I think before we can talk about 
why black people are perceived as cool. I think we have to kind of talk about what makes something or someone cool. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. Because not everyone can be cool. No. If the majority of people are doing it, it's not cool. Mm -hmm. So by default, you can't be part of a majority. You've got to be part of a minority. Yes. It's got to be something that not everyone can be or can attain. Even if we take it off of people, we talk about maybe smoking and how smoking used to be cool. Right. Some people did it and some people don't. Nowadays, people would say, okay, smoking is not cool. It's bad for you. That sort of badass persona that smokers used to have doesn't really exist anymore. But I think another part of cool that we have to talk about is the dimension of autonomy, Mm. a self-governing independent sense of self mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you see this in a lot of counterculture you do whether it's punks yep. or hippies yep. or rock rock yep. techie hackers yep. like they all have that counterculture yeah. belief about them right which makes them, them cool. cool yeah i mean about the whole how you know nerds rule right and how you know I've, I've had multiple conversations with several girlfriends how they think nerds are like the best group of men totally you know? definitely there was a great article in the guardian uh, it was from 2015 and it's an opinion piece and it's called why white people aren't as cool as black people <laughs> and it's uh by dexter thomas and in it he um he's talking about obama because obama was still president at the time and he was talking about how how obama was the midas king of political cool just anything obama talked about was who's the half shit. white actually who's half white <laughs> let's point that out right but even still please the minute that you become successful in this country if you are even half black you're black blows my mind you're black i wonder if they would say the same thing about asians yeah you know what i mean oh yeah yeah oh totally yeah for sure. The first Asian American to yeah. blah, blah, blah. The first Asian to this. And it's like, excuse me, half Asian, half white, a quarter Asian, half Filipino, half... That is not how America works. Uh, if you are half of an, an ethnicity, you are, you you are become a whole. full ethnicity, for so. sure. And uh, he basically is juxtaposing Obama with Paul Rand. And he basically said that Paul Rand will never be as cool and the conservatives will never be as cool as the liberals. And so he says this. Pity the conservatives. They will never win the cool war. Being cool is always going to mean reaching curiously towards something foreign. And as long as the right wing is focused on pushing the foreign away, whether that be immigrants, gay people, Muslims, women, or especially blacks, it will never be cool. Oh, I love that. To be cool, you need to be part of a minority. Not so minor that it is invisible, but one that is easy for a lay person to imagine and understand. It is also not enough that you reject the majority. It must reject you first. Wow. And black people, without a doubt, are among the most rejected group of people in America. For sure. Without Without a a doubt. doubt. Mm -hmm. And so if you're taking, if you're believing what Dexter Thomas is saying, we are cool. Yeah. We've been rejected by majority white culture. We've had to form our own sense of identity, our own form of culture. And that's exactly, and I think because of that, because of where you guys came from and what you guys had to go through, the only possible result Mm -hmm. from that is what's happening today. Definitely. You know? For sure. I mean, black people have always had to have a sort of shield or a mask, if you will, to move through modern day America. What one would call as quote unquote swag, what white culture calls it. Yeah. 
black people would argue that's our shield for walking through life and for getting through the day. Mm-hmm. If we didn't have that shield of protection blocking out all of the microaggressions, micro insults, micro assaults, micro invalidations, we would never get through a day. I'm sure. So this perceived cool swag or always having a cool face about everything that's not always being cool y'all that's called us surviving yeah and what i thought about too was you know there's this whole notion of how cool you guys are and how people want to copy and the music the fashion the art everything it's not like you guys didn't pay the price right you guys not only pay the price but you're still paying the price and you're still paying the price when you get there when you reach there Mm -hmm. you're still going to pay the price because of the color of your skin yeah and that was what was most profound to me was like what, what Trevor Noah said, I, I was like an aha moment. It was, you know, absolutely true. But there's this whole other side to it that people don't seem to either pay attention to enough or have a di- dialogue about it or just think about it for themselves. Yes. You know? mm-hmm. Because it's like, I think you listen to certain music, R&B, hip hop, rap, and you're like, you know, they're amazing. But what they actually, how they started, you weren't listening to them when they started. Right. You know? Yeah. You weren't going through what they were going through. When it all started. When when they were started writing lyrics on a notebook, you know, in the back of the bus or whatever it may be. Like that. And I think that's what had my most attention on it because I'm not black. And obviously being an Asian American first generation, I can relate in the sense of I know what it's like to obviously be a minority and 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 have to constantly prove or feel like I'm something or someone amidst you know white America and and now that white America is so obsessed with black people I love that you use that word it, it just it's very fascinating to me yeah and I think that you hit on something that's really true and really honest and we should jump into which is the question of are black people naturally cool I mean, yeah, I'm not going to say my people aren't cool, (laughs) is an interesting question. But I think the deeper question is, why is it that white America is so obsessed with black culture, Mm -hmm. but not into the idea of supporting black people and the people that are creating this culture? Right. I think that that's the more interesting question. And that's where the disconnect comes from. Completely. And that's what I that's that's the feeling I had when I watched that bit oh definitely so and i think to answer well where did this infatuation with black culture come from look no further y'all than slavery Mm -hmm. that is where this infatuation started Mm -hmm. so the infatuation began when the first slaves arrived in jamestown in the 1620s to white people and essentially excuse me uh there was a book called hip the history by John Leland, and he talks about the synthesis in the context of separation in his book. So he outlines an era where two incredibly different cultures are separated by an institution that also brings them incredibly close. Mm. So in the book, he says, according to John Leland, before the invention of the cotton gin, white owners worked alongside their slaves in an unequal but intimate manner. Despite the intimacy, slaves were under strict control and hardship at all times, and thus their culture emerged from struggle. Their vernacular evolved into a cool code where their phrases and language means more than they say. 
the sounds and beats of their songs and spirituals were different from whites, from what whites were accustomed to. Their lifestyle of living on the cusp, trying to make something out of nothing while living in constant fear and danger was intriguing yet inaccessible for whites that were living alongside them. Mm. This phenomenon that whites were so close to this new culture that they were conditioned to stay so far away from not only established the recipe for the culture of cool in America, but also initiated this bizarre obsession with black culture that we see today. So really in that, that's an article about uh, John Leland's book, Hip. But really what this article is illustrating is the is the double-edged sword of being black mm-hmm. and what that means for white people. Mm-hmm. So essentially he's saying that white people were attracted to this sense of danger, right. living on the edge, having to scrape and struggle, but they couldn't themselves experience it because they right. couldn't understand it because they were free. Right. So white slave owners watched black slave behavior Mm -hmm. that was super common for white slave owners to try and pick up on the vernacular that slaves had to create had to create for our own safety they were looking at the way that we danced looking at the way that we dressed did our hair because they wanted to emulate it themselves because it was cool also them and also think about if you are a slave and you literally have nothing to live for you are going to find ways to become hopeful and have faith and get creative with your hair with your music with your dance with your movement Mm -hmm. with your dialogue you know because they had to survive definitely so you saw that in slave culture you saw white people watching black people as though we were Animals yes. in a zoo. Oh, you took the words right out of my mouth. That, but yet animals that they could control. Exotic animals. Totally, right. definitely. Yeah. But as black people wanted to become more educated and speak like their white slave owners, there was pushback from white slave owners that were basically saying, "No, nigger, you talk how the, you talk how you talk." Yeah. Because I want to learn that vernacular. Because mm. I want to learn these hip, cool sayings that you're saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That dates way the fuck back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then you have slavery. After slavery came minstrel shows. Right. And minstrel shows essentially allowed foreigner, uh, northerners, not foreigners, excuse me, to um, have a taste of black culture without actually... I dealing with black people right because still get in get out you know yeah not not be part of it right because still during that time associating with black people was still looked down upon oh yeah but minstrel shows provided a an inside look Mm -hmm. into black culture i'm saying that in air quotes because it was obviously very exaggerated it was obviously not an authentic depiction of black people or black life but white people felt like they were getting a taste of what it meant to be black Mm -hmm. they felt like they were getting an an understanding of black culture Mm -hmm, even mm -hmm. though they they weren't living it themselves yes so it was a sense of danger there it was was something it's like they they wanted to see it and somewhat experience it in a way because they knew they would never be able to Exactly. And we still see, I mean, if you look all the way back to slavery and minstrel shows, that's still how our white culture 
utilizes black culture today. Black culture is still ripped off today. Yeah. If you look at a lot of our hottest of hot stars, look at someone like Justin Bieber yeah. or Kylie Jenner. Yeah. I was going to say Kylie Minogue. I know. Um, not her. Uh, Kylie Jenner or really any of the Kardashians, quite frankly, Iggy Azalea. Yeah. These are all people that have Miley Cyrus. How could I forget her? These are all white people that have co-opted black culture for their own financial gain yes. and benefit, yes. but also drop that so that that character like a sort of uh, costume. Yes, when they're done with it, yeah, when they've made the money that they needed to make, they're like on to the next persona. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and you see this all, all the time. All the time. There was a segment on the Dave Chappelle show. If anyone watched it, it Ooh, was Dave Chappelle OD. Ask a Black Man and. Uh, a comedian named Paul Mooney would answer questions that people had about black people. And uh, one of the questions was, how come black guys walk like this? And the person was doing like a sort of a bouncy imitation of swag walk. And Paul Mooney said, it's because we have swag, we have style. You know, the black man is the most emulated man in America. Everybody wants to be a nigga, but nobody wants to be a nigga. Spot on i don't think you could have said it better totally and that is the inspiration for the title of this particular episode Mm -hmm. um i feel like because it is summertime music festivals are in full swing yep they sure are i see a lot of co-opting of black culture and misappropriation of not just black culture but other cultures as well at music festivals yeah they totally play out in music festivals this seems to be the place where Young white kids who want to have, have the a, liberty, the yeah, freedom, but also ha- want to get edgy. Ah, uh, they yes. steal from other cultures. Yes, whether it's rocking dreadlocks, whether it's wearing a bindi, a daishiki, yeah. a mm-hmm. kimono, chopsticks in their hair, mm-hmm. whatever Afro. the afros. Like yeah. I, I feel like I see a lot of cultural misappropriation yeah. at music festivals, yeah. and it's odd to me because. I don't think half of these white kids know where these cultural garments and hairstyles come from. No, not at all. But again, it's the double-edged sword where if a black, if a white girl rocks corn rolls, it's quote unquote edgy. Yeah. When Kylie Jenner rocked corn rolls on the fashion police, Juliana Rancic said she looked edgy. But when Zendaya had corn rolls, Juliana Rancic said she looks like she smells of weed and patchouli. Oh my God. Hello, subtle prejudice. We see you, Juliana Rancic. And the, and one could assume that the biggest difference is because Kylie Jenner is not black right. and Zendaya totally, totally is. is. I think the overall reason that white people are really obsessed with black culture is this perceived edginess. That they don't have. That they don't have. Mm-hmm. But within that perceived edginess as a black woman, I think, okay, this is problematic because the edginess that you're perceiving is is the edginess from one kind of black person. Yes, it's very general. Yeah, because they're not, white people are emulating all kinds of black culture. No, they're specific on what they want to emulate. Yeah, and that that specificity is the novelty of the thug or the gangster rapper. Mm, That is the very clear embodiment of living on the edge. Yeah, like I think if you were to ask a white person, like what is it, or... You were to go in and look at their playlist or some something along the lines like that would be 
that would be the first thing that you would see as far as totally you know that edginess the the all tattooed the coming mm-hmm. from some place they just struggling and i mean it the media doesn't does kind of also show that i feel like quite a bit right which behind that might be white people yeah um, and the movies you totally know? and so maybe that's what they feel most like they have experience in as far as maybe watching movies or watching shows that show this side of the African Americans community in America. Mm-hmm. But the fact that maybe they don't do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. And know? I think that's the biggest disconnect of all. And I think that, you know, aspiring to or emulating black culture is one thing. But I think when you emulate a very short sighted way of, quote, being black or yeah. performative blackness that's where the problem starts yeah I you agree. know a bunch of white kids screaming fuck the police that's easy to do when the police don't fuck with you right right, right you know right. what i mean yeah. i think if you if there are any artists out there or something and they would really want i would love for them to actually go into these communities and see what it's really like to see what it's what the struggles are interview a bunch of black people and just try to get a sense of 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 how they Grew up if if it's something that you're really interested in, or if you're going to emulate it to the T, or whatever it is. And see, I think that's is that that's the question: Are they truly interested in it? Right. Because I think to go into these neighborhoods and talk to these people, these artists, these residents that live the troubled black experience every day, mm-hmm. I don't think white America would like. I don't think white America would like that because it would force them to question the way that they know race relations in America and how this country runs Mm. and treats people of another race. Yeah. I think they would be shocked to find out how easy they have it Mm -hmm. and how privileged they are. Mm -hmm. And I think with the right or the wrong crowd, it could... like it could be traumatic totally because it's uncomfortable i mean i think oh absolutely i think it's totally uncomfortable to put yourself in a position of really wanting to get the real information but being afraid of what kind of information you will actually get right once the bell is rung you can't unring it no once you know something you can't unknow it. right and I, i think ultimately it is a form of flattery in the sense of you know, the best form of flattery is imitation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't only I'm not just not speaking on behalf, but I, I've noticed not as it just white people obsessed with black culture. But, you know, you have it in China, you have it in Taiwan, you have, yeah. you have it in Asia, you have it in Korea, you have it in Japan. You have these people, these artists, these R&B, these rappers that are rapping because they were influenced by Jay-Z and and Dr. Dre and right. all this stuff and so that it's it's global yeah you know and totally. so I think it is as as far as you're I'm specifically speaking about the art but then I go into the wow you know that that kind of art and magic and and pure awesomeness came from a really dark place definitely and came from a place of being suppressed and drugs and 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 being attacked and so. I think there is so much of an obsession, but then there's not enough of an attention to... To to that suffer, to that struggle. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought up Asian communities because this is a question that I have always had. It (laughs) seems like Asian men more so than Asian women, but I mean some Asian chicks. It seems like Asian men really like to emulate black culture, but 
I don't get the sense that those same Asian men like to deal with black people. Why is that? So to put it more bluntly, how come I feel like Asian Americans fuck with black culture, but don't fuck with black people? Yeah. Or even maybe slightly afraid of black people. Yeah, I I totally can see where you're coming from. I think the whole afraidness is definitely more of a immigrants. Okay. With black people. Got it. And I think I'm going to be the first one. Not maybe I won't be the first one, but there is racism involved. And there's a lot of, there's been a lot of, I've seen a lot of sketch comedy skits and uh, bits about Asian people being afraid of black people. Right. And uh, even are Asian people afraid of black people? To a certain degree, yes. And I don't I don't think it's Asian Americans. Mm-hmm. I think it's more foreigners coming in to this land or anywhere else mm-hmm. and obviously not being educated and being afraid that they might do something or that they're scary. Got it. And I mean, they say Asians are, are super racist too. I mean, yeah, you know, that's true. We're, we're pretty racist, I think, when it comes to that that kind of just not being educated. And and if they don't speak the language and they are here, mm-hmm. they're they're pretty dark. I mean, there's so much closed mindedness in in Asian culture too. That's a whole episode in and of itself. Got it. There's just so much that they don't want to learn. And that they they're oh, afraid of. They just they don't want to. They're ignorant too. Sorry, you know? I, I feel like I cut you off from your original point. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Don't be sorry. Uh, and then I, I don't I don't know. I th- I think there's the sense of like the same way of that we think black people are really cool, but depending on where we grew up and who our friends are, we just I don't know. Don't have many black friends. Hmm. Okay. You know, because I don't think you find predominantly a lot of Asian communities and black communities in the same area. If you were to just take Los Angeles it's in itself for like. I know that Inglewood definitely has a I mean, strong Asian population. And then, I mean, I guess maybe I'm thinking more Chinese, but like I know Koreans, oh, okay. Koreans for sure. I know Koreans have worked a long time in like downtown in the fashion district with Hispanics and all that stuff. Um but I mean, I wouldn't know. Obviously, I didn't grow up around a, a African American or a Black community. But you are right. You're absolutely right in that sense that it's I always think... just been an interesting question to me. Yeah, like emulate the thing you are afraid of. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like, I'm never going to emulate the KKK. Right. Because uh, I don't. They're not worth right. emulating. And I just I don't know if it's necessarily maybe a fear, but it's possibly that they're not aware that if you're going to emulate it, then then maybe you should have some part in it mm-hmm. like oh like eddie huang you know eddie huang? <laughs> yes. he gets a lot of he gets a lot of heat yeah for he emulating does. for talking you know but he grew up he he literally grew up in that that area he grew up with black people and that's why his, I think i've heard him talk about that on his show yeah he, he got a lot of heat because people are like why is he dressing like a black guy yeah why does he talk like a black guy why does he listen to black music and it's like that's who he fucking grew up with grew up around what are yeah. you gonna do about it totally and they had this huge issue about him you know rocking like the the this type of fashion and it's like yo like just just cut it off like just lay lay off of him because if anything, he is the most example of like somewhat emulating, but I'm sure he feels ties to it mm-hmm. because he grew up struggling, yeah, with in 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 New York and in Florida, and so I think he'd I, be an interesting guest for this show. He would be. Totally. He would probably. I'd love to pick his brain. Me too. Uh, but he's the first one that comes up as far as like emulating. But then he ha- he has um 
what do you call it? Like he, he, he no, he doesn't need to prove himself. Yeah. Oh, you know? okay. But Got the fact it. that he gets heat, you know, like that he's an Asian guy talking like a black guy. Yeah. Like that, that itself, it's like a problem. Yeah. Supposedly. See, I can't hate on that. I yeah. can't hate on him talking like a black dude when I eat at Bauhaus, his restaurant in downtown, <laughs> at least once a week. Jackie, once a week? it is slap your mama delicious. Damn. I didn't know what bow was <laughs> until going to Bauhaus. And now I'm like, bow down to the bow. Like, it is so fucking good. Eddie uh, Huang is not a sponsor of this show by any means. Any means. But I think he should run for LA, president. Go, My mom always says that. My mom says he should be president of the United States. Okay, hold on. <laughs> we are not. We are ready for a woman. Right. I don't know if the American public is ready for an Asian. Can you imagine? President. We're not even ready for a white woman. Can you imagine an Asian man? Oh, like when that I, day comes. Woo. I hope I'm alive. I hope I am too. I, hope I am half robot and yeah. alive. That's yeah, all I'm gonna totally. say. But uh, going back, going back to sorry, we went on a tangent here. All right. Going, yeah, I. It's interesting. I I've totally observed that too, and I think it is. I think I think for some Asian Americans, which this could be an episode too. It's a big passion of mine. How there's a lot of first generation, second generation Asian Americans that are born here, and they somewhat lose their Asian culture. Can you just explain what first and second generation Asian means for those people that aren't really that have heard that but don't really know? Okay, so first generation Asian American or first generation born is essentially like. Your parents are from China, Taiwan, Korea, Japan, wherever, and they moved here. They weren't born in America. Got it. And then when they moved here, they had you in America, and you were born in America. Mm. So you are a first generation born in America. Got it. And then there's second, third, fourth, fifth, of course, so on and so forth. So I am a first generation Asian American because my mom wasn't born here. So I'm the first generation of my family to be born in the USA. I understand. And so what I've noticed, only because I've grown predominantly in an Asian community and because I am Asian and culture, (coughs) as you guys know, is big in my life and big in my family, I've noticed that a lot of Asian Americans lose through whatever it may be, through just pure laziness through bad parenting, through whatever happens, a lot of Asians uh, have lost a lot of their language mm-hmm. and their culture. Right. And so I think it's that, like, not only do they not have such a strong sense of their culture mm-hmm. anymore, and I'm not saying that one is better than the other, but if you're going to be Asian, have have that culture in you. I think it's, if I I would bestow that on, 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 onto my kids 100%. Mm-hmm. So I think along the lines they somewhat lose that or if they're, you know, eighth generation here, they're completely American, which I've met. And it blows my mind because I don't think about that as an Asian American, as a first generation. I'm so, so, so closely tied to my culture still that when I meet someone who looks just like me, not half white, not a quarter white, Mm -hmm. 100 percent pure Asian and is (coughs) just completely Americanized, I... I have these moments of like, oh, wow. So there, they, there's not much we can, there's moments where I can't relate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess with that being said, it's that sense of they don't have their culture anymore. And I'm not, maybe they're essentially like pretty much white on the inside because they've been Americanized. Banana. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and then that lends itself to the obsession with the black culture. Got it. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I went. I went far and around and you took came a back, detail, though. but I came back. You brought it back. I was searching because I knew it was. <laughs> I'm so glad you did. I'm glad you brought it back because I wanted to talk. In speaking of other cultures, women especially, 
I feel like I see the obsession with black culture, but not black people as yeah. a black woman in beauty. Ah. I feel like I see it a what lot. What do you mean by that? Well, I feel like big lips are having a moment. They've had a moment for the past couple of years. Big lips are traditionally something that most black women mm-hmm. have. And in the past couple of years, lip plumpers. We've talked about this before, how like on a white girl, it's like sexy and beautiful. And on a black girl, it's like looked down upon. Yeah, I think it was the... Was it our makeup episode? I think it was our makeup episode. I think it was our makeup episode. I remember uh, in... in, in, uh, Or maybe our feminist episode. I think it was makeup. Okay. I think. But in prep for this show, I was looking over articles and I bring up the big lips, for instance, because... In white culture, it's cool. Kylie Jenner, no one can argue, made a shit ton of money mm. from being a a woman of color, though she's not black, but and having big lips. She made that trendy. Mm-hmm. However, look to African-American actresses. Viola Davis was essentially called out for not being classically beautiful Lord. because she had big lips and natural textured hair. Goodness gracious. There's that double standard. Or maybe or what about the double standard of the the black butt where in our culture yeah. large rear ends are a thing. A right. lot of black women have fuller figures right. and a fuller backside. So sexy. Exactly. However, when it's a big black butt, when it's a big butt on a black woman, it's looked at as oh she's fat. Yeah, she's too big. She needs to take care of that. Yeah. But if that butt is on Kim Kardashian or a white girl, it's trendy. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Same with natural textured hair or even like black hairstyles like uh, corn rolls and dreadlocks. Mm-hmm. That's another instance where if it's on someone who's not black, those hairstyles are viewed as cool. Yeah. What is that all about? Again, I think it's it's this disconnect between liking black culture but not, not liking fooling. black people. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it all comes back to that. and It's so disrespectful, though, I think. It's so rude and completely invasive of... Completely. What's, you know, it, it's like... I'm trying to, like, analog- like, make an analogy towards, like, Asian culture, but I can't I can't really think of one off the top of my head. But well, let's maybe talk about why the disconnect... Exists. Why it exists. Persists. Yeah, exactly. Let's just, like, touch on that for a bit. Because I think that the disconnect... Listen, life is hard. Yeah. Okay? Everyone is fighting their own battles. Battles. (coughs) I am fighting the battle (coughs) not to cough through this episode. (laughs) That is my personal battle at the moment. Life is hard. Everyone's fighting their own battles. I think to if if white america were to think about the struggles of black people as they listen to their music as they wear yeezys as they try and speak like asap rocky yeah um or listen to kendrick's struggles yeah that adds a whole other layer of pain onto someone else's life Mm. that arguably people do not want to deal with yeah Right. And I think that that's where it starts is people yes. are aware that these struggles are happening. But to think of someone else's pain and yeah. your own pain, right. it's too much pain to think about. Right. And I, and I think, too, by you said, you know, by taking on and doing the corn rolls and the fashion and the Yeezys and all those stuff, it's it's a way of them to feel good mm-hmm. and to feel accepted and to express whatever it is that they want to express. Yeah. Not knowing that. That it does come from a place, you know, that has been suppressed in a place of extreme pain and and, and and years of that. And so 
so you're absolutely right. I think when they do 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 that sort of, you know, take on the black culture and take things from the black culture that it, it it's for them to feel better about themselves. Totally. Because hey, it's also uncomfortable if if a white person were to really look at black people and the struggles that we go through. Right. I think it would bring up some very uncomfortable feelings right. about what said white person has That's been taught yep. about race relations, black people, police brutality, whatever and what have you. Mm-hmm. I think it would bring up some really uncomfortable feelings yeah. and it would force that person to have to rethink right. what they've been taught. I also think that I'm sure there's a lot of white people who maybe did grow up in Af- black communities and have been there through struggles with them and and wherever along their lives if they do get called out you know singly as like you are the white man it yeah. is all your fault like i'm sure a white people do go through the struggle of like hey just because the people above me did it just because they're white it doesn't mean that it was me right you know exactly and so there's that i'm sure there's that's a whole episode we shouldn't i mean talk talk about that too of like how white people are dealing with this Hmm. in a way where maybe it's not all their fault but because they're white you know we have to ask a white person yeah <gasps> Ask a white person. That's a good segment. <laughs> yeah. That's a good segment. Second, third. Ask yes. a white person. At the end. How have we never thought of I this? I don't know. Future it's, segment coming. Ask a white inspiration. person. Inspiration. Not to get off track. <laughs> I think another reason that white America doesn't necessarily consider the disconnect between obsession with our culture and not really wanting to support our culture uh-huh. could also come stem from a fact that it's... One could argue, why do I need to support a culture where I'm seeing your male and female rappers flaunting wealth? Yeah. They're putting it out, right? Yeah, They're putting exactly. it out, so I'm going to take it because... But also I'm... the sense of like, well, y'all are wearing chains and diamonds and driving Maseratis and Porsches. How much can you actually be struggling? I see what you mean. Yeah. And the answer is a lot. Still. Still. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much money someone has. No. We can still be struggling. Right. Bar none. Right. Um, in America, no ma- as a minority, no matter how much money you make, there will always be an instance where you are reminded that you are a minority. Mm-hmm. You will. There will always be an instance that lets you know that your black skin is yeah. a cloak of inferiority. Yeah. You will always be reminded of that. Right. There are huge celebrities that have talked about that Oprah has been discriminated against. And she's fucking Oprah. Right. So if 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 you're listening to this episode and you're like, oh, yeah, whatever, rappers, they're all doing so well. Like, yeah, we might be doing well, but race relations still exist and they still persist mm-hmm. and they still happen mm-hmm. to us. And that doesn't mean that you can't ignore that. Ignore that. Right. Exactly. And so I think with this being said, it was it was just having a, an awareness of how much white America is obsessed with black culture mm-hmm. and recognizing that that the polarity of obsession with the black culture without having any attention in supporting the black people on a yeah. day-to-day life right thing right you know that mm-hmm. there that that there is this disconnect totally and that it should be talked about or as an individual i think because I had that. That was my moment when I when I saw Trevor Noah talk about how awesome black people are. And I went, you know, yeah, I do think black people are super cool. But then. Thanks. You're welcome. But why why do they still get so much hate, you know, for being them? And and that was why I, I wanted to talk about this. 
I'm, I hope some questions have absolutely, or been if anything, it's I hope been some questions like, have been answered. <laughs> they sure have. But I mean, for anyone listening out there, I think it's important to see that if if you are one seeing yourself maybe in my shoes or having that experience of maybe you really do appreciate um, rap and hip hop and R&B and fashion and all the stuff that comes from the black culture, just maybe see how, where that comes from and that, that, that there is this whole other side of it that doesn't get recognized enough. Yeah. Because if you acknowledge, if you are someone listening and you acknowledge that there is a disconnect, I think that the number one thing to do is to talk about it. Sure. Yes. I think we live in this day and age where people think, okay, I'm just going to stay out of it and I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Yeah. And I think that what people need to remember is not saying anything. You're adding to the problem. Well, and it's also an active choice. Yeah, you're you're choosing to not say anything. Yeah, that's Regardless a very if you know active choice. You might not be saying anything, but your actions are loud and clear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that this this co-opting of black culture or just allowing black people to entertain you, but not really giving a shit about their struggles and what's happening in their community is bullshit. And it needs to be discussed. Yes. And I think the call to action for the end of this episode is talk about it. Yeah. White people, when you are among your white friends, there's nothing wrong with saying, yo, I think, uh, Hey, um, so-and-so. Hey, Tara. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I I see that you're rocking this very African-American look. I think that we need to talk about perhaps maybe some uh, misappropriation that's going on. Oh. There's nothing Um, wrong with being a white chick and rocking African-American prints. uh As long as you are doing your part to uplift the African-American community. I see. And I think that that's where the conversation needs to go. Yeah, I agree. I'll stop being Tara for a minute. No, it's fine. No, Um, that's fine. Totally. Yeah. uh, I I totally agree with you uh, because it's something that, that should be should be spoken up more about. Mm-hmm. And I think with, with that, I think also to this whole millennial generation, we're much more open Definitely. and accepting. And so I think it, they would be, I think people would be more than happy to be like, yeah, okay, let's talk about it or do your research, you yeah. know, or tell them like, do you like, do you love Prince? And then maybe they could be like, yeah, but let me tell you, like, I'm a huge fan. I grew up with Prince. I know all about him. And then it's like, okay, yeah, you know, you did your, you did your homework or yeah. you've done your part. You're not just, doing this for the hell of it or being ignorant yeah about totally it. yeah and i think every i think all black people have their own feelings about cultural appropriation mm-hmm. and w- how white people are allowed to i guess um rock it as their own and how they're not allowed to i have always come from the standpoint that you can rock dreadlocks you can wear daishiki as long as you are uplifting our community in the process if yeah. you're solely I agree. Rocking these edgy styles just because you want to be edgy, just because you want to be cool, just because you want you just because you're doing it for the gram or yeah. whatever. Yeah. I would question why you have to go into someone else's ethnic looks yes. to do that. I agree. Cuz essentially, you know, if you if you if you think about it in the sense of taking and giving. Yeah. You know, you are taking something from a culture and you're not you're not giving back. And so Give back. It's really simple. Totally. March in the Black Lives Matter yeah. movement marches. Yeah. Give money to black causes. Mm-hmm. Support, Support 
the black community say yeah. something when you see something fucked up. There's yeah. nothing stopping you other than your fear of getting involved. But yeah. just remember, not saying anything, being silent, quote unquote, minding your own business is a choice and it's yeah. not an active one. Absolutely. Oh, uh, this reminds me. Aha! Uh-huh. Yes. I know we're towards the end of, of our episode, but so Trevor Noah, The Daily Show. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's the name? Uh, Stewart, John Stewart. Mm-hmm. He was the host of The Daily Show before yeah. Trevor Noah. He called Trevor Noah when Trevor Noah was in the UK. Trevor Noah was doing a tour of his stand up comedian, stand up comedy um, tour. He said, I think at this point, John Stewart had offered him the position. Wow. We want you to be the host. Wow. Trevor Noah declined him. He said, I I care about my fans too much. I've been waiting to go on this tour for like a year. I've put in too much hard work, dedication. Thank you, but I'm sorry. The answer is no. And I think John Stewart was said something. I remember he was talking about this in the podcast, and he said, are you saying no to me? <laughs> Trevor Noah said, yeah, I'm I'm so, so sorry, but my fans mean too much to me. So then I think somewhere along the lines of John Stewart says, okay, all right, I understand. But if you're ever in New York, you know, call me. We'll have lunch. A year and a half later, he finds himself in New York. He calls John Stewart. They have lunch. And then he eventually takes over The Daily Show. Get it, Trevor Isn't that Noah. just like his character and everything about him? Like that shows someone char- someone's character. Yeah, get it, Trevor Noah. Yeah, Inspiration a- for this particular podcast Absolutely. episode. Just, just be a good person. Keep your word. Be honest. Give back. And, 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 and watch The Daily Show with if, Trevor Noah. Right? That's, that's what it sounds like to me, right? I know. Awesome. Anyways... Well, that's our show, guys. Yeah, we hope you liked it. This episode was produced by Christian Humes at Zeitheist. Thank you, Christian. If you want to reach out to Jackie or I, you can find the podcast on Instagram at Black and Yellow Podcast. Or if you want to talk to us individually, I am Alana Webster. You can find me at Renegade of Fun. I'm Jacqueline Chung-Young on the gram. We hope to hear from you guys. Let us know your thoughts. And uh, stay cool. Yeah, Ooh. it's hot out there. Yeah. It's summertime sexy, but goddamn, it's hot. <laughs> stay cool, you guys. We'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye.